You are listening to Scattered by Anchored Baptist Church, where we are working to reflect the diversity of Hermanus as we gather to hear good news and as we scatter to share it. So also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. That's picture language. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. And I do not say that you will ask, that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. (laughs) Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you have come from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation or trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world." Personally, I like stories with good guys and bad guys. All right? Uh, I'm even happy for an author, a storyteller, a historian to tell me who the good guys are in the story and tell me who the bad guys are in the story. That way, there's no question marks. I just get to hear, okay, that's the person that I'm cheering for, and that's the person that I'm cheering against. It's cut, it's dry, it's simple. I like that. I do do like it even better when you just know who the good guy is, though, because they are maybe create, create... Now, hey, hold on. When I say guy, I'm not just talking about men, ladies. There's good guys that are ladies out there, okay? Um, I I like knowing who the good guy is, most of all, if they're just acting in a courageous way and and, and living according to a, a code of virtues. They know not only that they have to win, but also that they must win in a particular way. Said another way, when asked to choose between a hero who will win at any cost, and a hero that will maintain their humanity, the humanity of the villain, and 
the humanity of all of those around them whose lives are affected, I'm going to choose the second one of those. I'm going to choose the good guy who has that code of virtues. Uh, secondarily, I'm going to choose the good guy who would, you know, slaughter a village of innocents just to get his villain. Because that's the way stories work, right? Superheroes. That's the way superheroes work. Doesn't sound so super. <laughs> No, I would like to choose the courageous and the the virtuous one before I choose the powerful and victorious one. In fact, I would rather the good guy die being a good guy than I would him be walking the line between good and evil. Does this mean that the second kind of story is not interesting? You know, the, the guy that will win at any cost? No, it is interesting. And it's interesting because um, that person's like you and me. I'll say it like this. The, the courageous and virtuous hero is great because we all know that that one is in short supply. If stories, movies, even real life was a superstore of heroes and villains, the shelves in the good guy department is nearly empty. Okay. There's been some sort of run and the stock is gone. And we're left usually with the second kind of hero. The one who's interesting but walks that line between uh, being victorious and being the villain themselves. This hero is um, not interesting because the person is strange to us, but because we know that kind of hero all too well. Right? That's, that's you and me. They make mistakes. They uh, make moral compromises. And they morally compromise themselves and others and even their missions along the way. They take what God providentially places into their hands and then they call it fate. Um, and they say, well, what happened has happened and it can never be changed. It is what it is. It's a hazard of the job. Whereas the first type of hero... Um, there's, there's no indiscernible fate. There's no happenstance. There's no game of chance. That type of good guy, that type of hero knows that they have been put in a place for a specific purpose. And that uncompromising good guy, well, maybe he really only exists in fiction. I don't know. Maybe he's only real in the imagination of an author uh, and then in the life of the reader after they've read about them or seen the story about them. Or maybe, just maybe, this, this hero strikes a chord with us when we see it on a screen or we read it in pages or we hear about it uh, through an audio book or whatever the case may be. Maybe that type of hero strikes a chord with us, not just because that's who we want to be and we aren't, but because we actually know that there is a hero that has claimed victory on our behalf. That there is that hero that did not need to walk a line between good and evil and balance just right to make sure he landed on the correct side. But we actually all know of that hero, that rescuer, who for us lived a life according to the law. So much so that he put an end to the law, we're told. 
And He did that for you and for me. His life lived according to the law has been applied to you. It has been won for you and placed on you. Here in our passage this morning, um, if I had to put a big idea to it, I would say it like this. We all know it. Trouble surrounds you. In fact, our text for this morning says tribulation does. It's the same word that we heard in Revelation last week. A great tribulation. And for each and every one of you, you have those experiences of great trouble in your life. In fact, most of the time it's surrounding you. And even when you're ignoring it, it's lurking in the shadows waiting to creep up on you. Trouble is there. And we all know it. Trouble surrounds you. But here's our good news for this morning. Jesus has overcome, and through Him, so will you. Jesus has overcome, and through Him, so will you. Now, that does not mean that your life is going to look like that first kind of good guy that we all want to be like. In fact, your life is still going to be marred by sin right here, right now. Your life is still going to be one that looks like that balance on the line. Being saint and sinner all at the same time. And yet here in our text this morning, uh, I want to I hang on to the promise of Jesus from last week that our hearts will rejoice And no one will take that joy from you. That is a joy that cannot be stolen away from you. And you have a peace that has been placed on you that cannot be taken away from you. And you will overcome because of Jesus. So, where are we at again? Look, we've been through the Easter season. And as we've gone through the Easter season, we've seen everything that Jesus has done on our behalf. The work that He has done for us. And yet, we're going back to these passages now because I don't know, like you, when maybe when you first became a Christian, uh, I was given a, a Gospel of John and someone told me to read it. And this whole middle section here, before we get to the crucifixion, you don't know what's going on. It doesn't make any sense to you. Uh, reading it out of context or in a, in a different order, maybe it doesn't make any sense either. But we're going back to this because these are cryptic. Uh, uh, things that seem mysterious that Jesus is saying. And yet now, after Jesus' death and resurrection, uh, we have a different version of what He's saying now. We know what He means. And that's why we're going back to these texts. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Quite literally, uh, Jesus is telling His disciples, use my name in prayer. Do you know who I am? I'm God. That's what He's telling them. Now, this isn't some sort of magic formula. He's not saying, okay, now, When you're praying, if you speak to God and you say my name, it's like a magic key and everything that you want behind that door comes flowing out upon you. No, no, no. 
he's saying, what is a name? Ah, what is in a name, right? Okay, what is in a name? It's everything that Jesus has done for you. Uh, It's faith and it's peace and it's all of these good things. It's salvation. What is in Jesus' name? Every good gift that He has accomplished and won for you on the cross and given to you. So when He says, in my name, He's saying, because of me. Because of who I am and what I have done. Ask and you will receive and you will receive that your joy may be full. What kind of joy are we talking about here? We're talking about that kind of joy that was promised to his disciples that would never leave them. That's promised to you and me as well. Jesus says, I have said these things in figures of speech. He's saying, I've said this in mysterious ways, (laughs) in picture language to you. But the hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. What's he talking about here? Well, he's talking about this time in between when he rises from the dead and when he goes back to the Father. He's saying all these things that seem mysterious to you, that seem a little bit like figures of speech, it's going to come clear to you. You're going to understand it. And I'm going to be able to speak openly because you're going to now have the visuals. You're now going to have the language to know exactly what it is that I'm talking about. And that's why we go back to this passage now too. Because now you also have the the visuals and the language to understand what it is that Jesus is saying. In that day you will ask in my name and I... And I do not say that you will ask the Father on, that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I have came into the world. I came from the Father and I have come into the world and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. I love it here, the disciples. Oh, we get it now. No. (laughs) No, you don't. Right? Uh, No, we get it. Now, you were speaking in figures of speech, but now you're speaking clearly. Great. Thanks, Jesus. And Jesus says, is it? (laughs) Um, do Do you now believe? And Jesus takes it back on him now. He takes him back a step and he says, behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come. He's about to pray for them. He's about to pray his high priestly prayer for them and for us. The hour has now come. When you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone. The Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world, in the world, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. This word trouble or tribulation here, what does this word mean? Um... It's kind of like some mornings how I wake up in bed because all of my children have come and they've jumped onto the bed with me and I'm all of a sudden feeling very claustrophobic and very squeezed in tightly and then someone comes and sits on my chest and then I'm finished, okay? I have to get up out of there. I'm being pressed in on every side. This is what this word tribulation means. It's, it's, it's being pressed in on every sign, side, feeling a pressure and a weight that's squeezing you down to the smallest version of yourself, okay? This is the tribulation. 
And yet, what does Jesus say? But take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus is right here placing Himself at the center of every aspect of His disciples' lives. He's saying, look, you're going to leave Me, but the Father's with Me. I'm not alone. In fact, just previously, He's saying, look, you know the Father because you know Me. And the Father hears you because you loved Me. And you are also going to experience trouble and sorrow and be pushed in and squeezed in on every side, just like I am going to be. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to overcome. And because of that, you too will overcome. Now, what does that look like? Um, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, Peter and Paul, they both die for the faith. Are they overcomers? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And there's a couple of reasons why they are overcomers. Um, It's because they know Christ and He has saved them from this world of sorrow and of pain. He's made it to where they're not just looking at the here and now life as a place to be victorious and win at any cost. But they see that there has been a battle that has been waged for them and for their souls. And and in that battle that has been waged, Jesus has declared victory and has made them to overcome. We read from the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8. Now in all of these things, you know this one, we are more than conquerors. That could be overcomers. Conquerors through Him who loved us. And John, in his first letter, wants to get this across to us very clearly. Little children, you are from God. And you have overcome them. That is, those people out in the world. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Or later on in 1 John chapter 5, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. What is our faith in John's definition here? Jesus. Jesus is our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except those except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And then later on in Revelation, we see this word, those that have overcome multiple times. Uh, those uh, speaking specifically of martyrs, but all of those who are one day going to end up in that new heavens and that new earth. And who are those people that have overcome? Those are the people that have been saved by the blood of the Lamb, John tells us in the book of Revelation. So what do I want you to hear and to take away from this morning? I want you to hear and take away that trouble does surround you. Okay? Trouble does surround you, and yet Jesus has overcome. And through Him, by His blood, as John tells us in Revelation, so will you. It might lead to your death. (laughs) It might lead to sorrow and pain greater than what you think you can bear. And yet, even in that experience, you are called an overcomer because of what Jesus has done for you on the cross and the victory that He has won for you. Until next time, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ 
and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you all.